What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Snowcast Sports Talk. We are at episode five. Um, you know, I first wanted to just take a moment before we dig into the topics here to really just say thank you. Um, we had our first guest, Chris the Entertainer, on the other day, and it was an amazing podcast. I first want to say thank you to Chris for coming on, being our first guest, and then I also want to say thank you to, you know, all the people who showed support, family, friends, previous subscribers, and then newcomers as well. Welcome to Snowstorm Studios. This channel is moving in a Giants football-related direction, so I really appreciate all the new subscribers, all the comments and likes. Um, be sure to, you know, add comments if you guys don't, and let me know what you think. You can say, hey, Will, your takes are terrible, or hey, Will, I agree with this, or hey, Will, what do you think about this? Um, I really want to get that community aspect going. I think that's something I'm really going to focus on over the next couple of weeks with the channel. Um, just as another disclaimer, it is 6.50 in the evening for me. I usually record these on Sundays, but there's just so much going on with the Giants right now, and in football in general, and I wanted to make a couple... Um, revisions to my opinions. There's been some things that have changed in the past couple of weeks in the NFL that I really wanted to get my thoughts down and, um, you know, maybe restate them in a more concise way and also maybe revise some of my opinions. Um, not that I'm saying I was wrong about things. I will say I was wrong, but um, yeah. So let's jump into it. We're going to talk about a couple Giants-related topics to start here, kind of flip it from the last time when we did a podcast, just me and then you guys. Um, excuse me. So today... The first thing we're going to dig into is James Bradbury. Uh, this situation, I'm just going to say it right off the top, makes me very sad. Um, this is one of the worst situations, or one of the more disheartening situations, not worse, disheartening situations I've dealt with as a Giants fan. And you know, some people might be like, oh man, that's overdramatic, and why are you freaking out so much? And I'm not freaking out, it just makes me sad, because... The truth is, James Bradbury is a really, really good cornerback. He's an older quarterback. He's overpaid here at the Giants, but he's a good cornerback. And so, to not explain too much, our new defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale, he's very much a blitz-heavy um, defensive coordinator, which is totally fine. I'm excited to see how that works out. But being a blitz-heavy defensive coordinator, having good cornerbacks is really important, and it stinks that having a good cornerback is going to be one of the things we struggle with because it doesn't look like we're going to be able to keep James Bradbury. Um, I first want to start with a crisp, nice, fresh out of the oven. Thank you, Dave Gettleman. Um, Dave Gettleman brought this guy in, and good job bringing him in, but paying him for three years and a lot of guaranteed money is right now biting us in the butt, and it's putting us in a, in a situation where we either have to cut him to save money or we have to pay more money just to trade him out or save less money just to get rid of him to get draft picks. We're in a situation with James Bradbury where we as the Giants community and really Joe Shane and the Giants organization get to make a statement on what's more important to them. And really what we're talking about that's what's really what's the, you know, at stake here is the money we can save by letting James Bradbury go via trade or releasing him or the draft capital we can get for um, James Bradbury via releasing him or trading him. So just to go in a little bit deeper for you guys, option one, we can cut James Bradbury. So what does that mean? That means we go into his office, Joe, Joe, not we, Joe Shane goes into his office and says, hey, appreciate everything you've done. We're releasing you. Someone else will pick you up. Good luck. We release him. All the money that he was supposed to be paid, besides his dead cap, the money he was guaranteed, all the extra money, we save. I think that's around... 
I want to say it's around 12 to $15 million we would save if we straight released him. Um, for example, right now we only have $2 million to spend out of our $208 million, I believe. So freeing up 12 to $15 million would be really awesome, especially with a bunch of first-round rookies that could potentially be coming to the Giants. We definitely need to be saving money. Option two, we can trade him. Now, this is where things get complicated and spicy and just all over the place. Because after J.C. Jackson went off the board, and I'm trying to think of other cornerbacks. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I think Stephon Gilmore is actually still a free agent. But either way, I think the Giants thought, hey, we can trade James Bradbury for a third-round pick. It's not looking like that's the case. You know, I would think he would have been moved by now because there's just... I guess maybe he wouldn't be moved by now. I'm not sure. But you think if someone was interested in James Bradbury, he would have been traded. He hasn't yet. So it leads us in the Giants community to believe, okay, maybe he's not as coveted as we thought he was. And now reports are coming out that the Chiefs are kind of a trade partner with the Giants, potentially. Okay, great. The Chiefs, they're a win-now team. James is a little bit older of a cornerback. It's a great place for him to go. But it sounds like the Chiefs don't like how much money they'd have to take a hit for if they traded for him. And this is where the Giants now get into the philosophical internal debate um, of what's more important, cap space or lottery tickets in the draft. Release him and save money, trade him to the Chiefs and get some draft picks, but you might have to pay him a little bit just to get him over to the Chiefs and get those draft picks. And the more money I bet we pay for him, the better draft pick we'd get from the Chiefs. So again, it's that philosophical debate of how much money do we want to save to do we want more lottery tickets in the draft. Guys, this debate has me in a loop. I usually am pretty opinionated, I think, and I usually know where I stand when it comes to football philosophy. Uh, For example, I'm a positional value guy. I will tell you every day out of the week you should draft a quarterback over a wide receiver or a running back in the first round of the draft, even if the quarterback is not as good. I just will tell you that. You can disagree with me. I just believe in positional value. I believe a cornerback is more valuable than a safety. It's just my opinion on the defensive side, positional value. But this one, (laughs) I don't know where to go. Well, I do, but I've, you know, it took me a little bit. I had to write down on my script that I do for the podcast and this, 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 this. I believe the draft picks are more important than the money for two reasons. First, next year, the Giants are going to be actually in pretty great cap situation, a pretty good cap situation, excuse me, um, because a lot of these three-year contracts Dave Gettleman signed and brought people in when Joe Judge was hired will actually be up. Um, And we also, I believe, can get rid of Kenny Galladay and Leonard Williams if needed to save some more money. So because of that, in 2023, when we're doing this podcast and we're on episode 105, not episode 5, I will be able to say to you that the um, cap space is much healthier. Um, I'm losing my train of thought, but I want to quickly say a healthy cap is how good teams sustain success, I believe. Um, We will get to see if that philosophy is true with some of these teams that are buying in now and see how they progress throughout the next five years. Maybe the Rams or the Bucks or, um, you know, those are probably the two teams where we'd see maybe the Broncos. I'd say the Rams and the Bucks would get to see that philosophy pan out. But either way, getting back on track, I believe the draft pick is more valuable for us than saving the money because next year our cap will be healthier, much healthier. Secondly, our team 
is so depleted on quality players in so many positions that I believe getting those lottery tickets to potentially be able to pull in more quality young players and build that nucleus of young competitive players, I believe those draft picks are vital to us. I believe they're vital to Joe Shane this year. So if we have to pay some of James Bradbury's salary to get him to, let's say, the Chiefs for a third-round pick, I believe that is the better way to go because we need as many draft picks as possible. And we already know this year we're not going to be competitive. We're not going to be a winning football team. We should be competitive. When I will be doing this podcast once a week talking about each Giants game the previous week. And when we do that, I am not going to base it on winning and losing. I'm going to base it on how competitive were we? Did we see improvement? That's what I really care about this year in 2022. And that's a hard pill for Giants fans to swallow. It's a really hard pill. And I understand that, but that's just where we are as a team. So James Bradbury situation makes me very sad. I think we should trade him, eat some of his salary, but get a better draft pick. That is huge for us this year, guys. It's huge for us. Thank you, Dave Gettleman, for overpaying him because it would have been great to be able to keep him, but we can't. We just can't. We don't have the space. Um, with this James, James Bradbury news, though, and having a cornerback um, you know, leaving the Giants, it now creates a hole. We've talked about a couple times here on the podcast, on the Snowcast. We've talked about um, what are we going to do with the fifth and seventh overall pick in this year's upcoming draft? Something I'm really excited about, actually, because it's really cool to have two top 10 picks. Um, crappy situation how we got here, for sure, but um, it gives us the opportunity to really improve our team. And so what I've been talking about the whole time is I want an offensive lineman, preferably a right tackle, and I want a defensive edge, an outside linebacker or an edge rusher. Same difference. You hear people say now in the NFL... It's important to get someone who can throw the ball, and it's important to get someone who hits people who throw the ball. But with James Bradbury leaving the Giants, we could potentially take an offensive lineman, and instead of taking an edge rusher, we could take a cornerback. Not to be confused with a quarterback. When I was new to football, that confused me. A cornerback, as in the corner, guards the wide receivers. And there's a lot of good corners in this draft. One in particularly is Sauce Gardner. Um... This guy is a stud. I've heard a lot of people talk about him. A lot of Giants fans, especially on Giants Twitter, are really excited about this guy. And I am too. I've watched the film. This guy is an absolute stud. Um, there's a couple other great corners. I can't remember their names off the top of my head, of course, because I'm filming. But um, now we're getting into this case where, well, what if the Giants take a corner instead of an edge rusher? Um, for me, that's a tough pill to swallow cornerbacks in the first round scare me. Uh, preferably, or mostly because of DeAndre Baker, a first-round draft pick by the Giants a few years ago who was horrible, got accused of a bunch of really creepy and scary things, then got cut, and then just... And we we traded up to get him. So, like, we gave up draft capital to get back up to get him. So, first-round cornerbacks scare me, but with losing James Bradbury, it might become a huge hole for us. Um, we would have a Dory Jackson, who is someone we traded for last year, who is a pretty good corner. He's not top tier, but he's mid tier. Then we have some younger guys. A um, Robinson's his first name. I forget his last name. And then Darnay Holmes. And those guys can. Um, and Julian Love. Julian Love can go over there too. So we do have some some people to fill in. 
But I'm thinking the Giants might need to draft a cornerback in that first round um, instead of an edge rusher, which I think, you know, if I were the Giants, I would just play what the draft deals me. If you have a Kayvon Thibodeau or an Aiden Hutchinson, two of the top-tier edge rushers at five or seven, I'd probably take them over a cornerback, over a Gardner. But if you're looking at like a Jermaine Johnson or a Trayvon Walker, as you can tell, I've obviously watched more film on the defensive ends, the edge rushers. Um, maybe a Sauce Gardner is a better player to take, filling a bigger hole for the Giants. Um, supposedly, the Giants went out to his pro day in Cincinnati, and they actually took him out to dinner. Um, so that's an interesting fun fact. The Giants took him out to dinner, kind of wined and dined him, got to know him a little bit, but... You could see the Jets at number four taking this Sauce Gardner guy, which if that happened, I'd be stoked because that means the Jets aren't taking a defensive end or an offensive lineman, which means an Eki Aquanu or Evan Neal or an Aiden Hutchinson or uh, Kayvon Thibodeau can fall to five. And if we can get any of those four players, I will be happy. Uh, that is that is how low my, like, I don't care what we do at seven if we get one of those four. But um, yeah, so, you know, with losing James Bradbury, it now creates a open need we have as a giant as as the Giants, and then we might need to draft a cornerback to fill it. Um, been listening to some other podcasts and some other talk shows, and people are, kind of agree with me a little bit on this. You know, fear of a first round cornerback it sometimes can be a gamble, but it's an important position to fill, especially for where the Giants are headed defensively. Um, so we'll see. Um, if we ended up with like Evan Neal and Sauce Gardner at five and seven, you will not hear me complain about it. I am okay with that. Fixing the offensive line is the most important thing for me. And then filling a big hole we will have on defense would be really a great beginning to the draft for us. Um, but you know, if we go with one of the edge rushers, like a Jermaine Johnson or Trayvon Walker at seven, I won't be super angry about that either. Even if we do have that hole at cornerback, we can draft a cornerback in the later rounds. So it is what it is. It's a tough situation. I, I, the Giants could use like five first-round picks to be able to fill all the holes we have. So we just, in Joe Shane, we trust guys. I think that's kind of the, the, the conclusion of all these topics is Joe Shane, we trust. And I've said for all the episodes now and on Twitter and everywhere else, I trust Joe Shane. This guy knows how to win. He knows how to build a winning team. I trust Brian Dable, um, so I trust where they go, but I hope we address the offensive line. That's really what I hope. This episode's not going to be as long as some of the other ones. Um, I only have about five topics. Usually I have like seven. Um, I wanted this one to be a little bit shorter so I could actually edit it and get it up for you guys. Let me know what you think about the week time releases. My brain just feels a little more scattered, so... Um, We'll see if this is something that keeps happening, but, um, so, you know, being a somewhat, I don't even, you know, just doing podcasting for the New York Giants, one of the things I like to do is I like to really connect with the community on Twitter. Um, and so someone on Twitter, uh, they go by Authentic, I will actually put their link down below, I want to give him credit because he kind of brought this idea to me. Uh, he said his tweet was basically Tyrod Taylor should be the starter over Daniel Jones. I'm wearing my Daniel Jones jersey. For anyone who doesn't know, Daniel Jones might be the most polarizing piece part of the Giants I've ever experienced in my six or seven years of being a fan. I've never, I mean, people get really, 
maybe not really heated, but people are very opinionated on Daniel Jones. So, you know, you have half of the half of the community like a authentic here. Again, his link will be down below. You guys should follow him on Twitter. He is, we did not beef. We didn't have a problem. He's a very nice guy. We talked very respectfully. He just brought this idea to me. Um, but, you know, you have a guy like Authentic where he said, one of his comments was like, week six, I had seen enough of Jones last year. I knew his problems and I knew his strengths and I knew he wasn't going to overcome them. I'm done with him. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, me, I'm on the other side where I understand Jones has some issues, but how much of it is Jones and how much of it is the situation he was put in? Um, and, you know, a lot of people think this is a cop-out and, you know, people could say, oh, hey, you plug Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, all these guys into um, the Giants system and it would be better. And that's that's fair. But Jones has never had a good offensive line. And for the past two years, he's had one of the most offensive, illiterate coaches I've ever seen in my entire life watching football. I mean, Jones, like John Mara, the owner of the New York Giants, verbatim said, look it up. John Mara verbatim said, we did everything possible to screw this kid up. I agree with John Mara. I agree with John Mara there. I want to play Daniel Jones as much as humanly possible next year for one reason. I want to get a real evaluation on this kid. Brian Dable is one of the most innovative minds in football on offense. He comes from the Buffalo Bills. Last year, the Buffalo Bills were one of the most explosive, innovative offenses in the league. And you might say, Will, I think the Chiefs were more authentic and more, or not authentic, the Chiefs were more explosive and more dynamic and more, you know, innovative. Fair enough. You know who the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants is right now? Mike Kafka. He was a quarterback's coach on the Kansas City Chiefs last year. So Daniel Jones comes into a situation where he now has the Bills offensive coordinator and the Chiefs quarterback's coach as his two coaches for this year in year five or four, year four. I want to get an honest evaluation on the kid. I want to see if he is what he, what some people think he could be. The other reason we play Jones. No, actually, you know what? No, that's probably, that's probably my biggest reason. I want to evaluate him. I was going to say getting better draft picks than drafting a quarterback, but that has nothing to do with playing Jones. You could draft a quarterback and still play Jones. Um, my mind was going in the wrong direction there, but I want to evaluate him. That was my comment. My tweet, I said, where we disagree is I still want to evaluate Jones. I want to see Jones with what I believe will be an improved offensive line. They've already had some great free agent signings. I know some people aren't super hot on them. They don't think they're great, but they are improvements, okay? We get an opportunity to get three amazing tackles, Evan Neal, Eki Aquanu, and Charles Cross. One of those three will be there at five. I am pretty confident. If all three of them are gone before number five, I will be genuinely surprised. And that'll be what I hope, a 10 to 15 year right tackle anchor protecting the New York Giants quarterback. I want to see Daniel Jones play with the Bills offensive coordinator, the Chiefs quarterbacks coach, a more innovative offense all around, an improved offensive line, and some more health and healthier players, you know, starting the season off and being healthier. Saquon coming back healthier. Hopefully Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney being healthier. You know, Sterling Shepard, when he comes back, he'll be healthy, you know. I want to see Jones in that system. Owner said we did everything to screw him up. I agree. Tyrod Taylor, we know what he is. 
We've seen him with the Texans. We saw him with the Browns. We saw him with the Chargers. We saw him with the Bills. Trying to think where else I've seen Tyrod Taylor. There's probably four other teams I've watched Tyrod Taylor play on that I can't remember. We know what he is. I still don't know what Daniel Jones is. And for anyone new to the New York Giants, Daniel Jones is a polarizing player. If you watch his 2018 rookie season, he almost broke the record for rookie touchdowns or rookie touchdowns thrown by a rookie. Excuse me. You watch him in 2020 and 2021, it was absolutely miserable football in one of the most offensive, illiterate systems I've ever seen in my life. We don't know what Jones has yet. I just want to see him one more year. We don't need to draft a quarterback this year. We don't. I don't think Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett are the, are, are the guys. Could be proven wrong. But I sure as hell know Evan Neal and Eki Aquanu are beasts. And I know Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson's will be beasts as well. Let Daniel Jones play one more year. Shout out to Authentic. I loved that conversation. Great point to bring up. If you watch this, com- uh, let me know down below. It was, it was so respectful. There was no problem at all. Uh, just a couple more quick topics. Now we're out of the giant stuff. I just wanted to quickly say, excuse me, kudos to the Colts. When the Colts traded Carson Wentz, I dug my my feet in and said that was a bad decision. I didn't think there was anyone in the NFL available who would fit with Carson Wentz or who would fit better with Carson Wentz than the Colts. And I didn't think there was anyone better for the Colts than Carson Wentz. It would have been a second year in the system. I know it's, he's known the system, but second year with the players, with Jonathan Taylor, with that offensive line, with those wide receivers. And they traded him to the Washington Commanders for three for two third-round picks, which I thought, this is a lose-lose situation. Carson's going to Ron Rivera in Washington, who I don't think they'll fit well. And I don't think the Colts will find a better replacement. I was wrong about that. Matt Ryan, Matty Ice... The 38-year-old quarterback who has been stuck in Atlanta now for the past five years got traded to the Colts this week for one third-round pick. The Colts went from having Carson Wentz to having Matt Ryan, an MVP, and who also went to the Super Bowl and was a quarter and a half away from beating the Patriots and a third-round pick. That's pretty damn good. Kudos to the Colts. I had a take where I said the Colts made a mistake and they shouldn't have traded Wentz. If I knew they were going to get Matt Ryan and another third-round pick, that's pretty good. I'm pretty impressed. Um, Will the Colts be a Super Bowl contender this year? I'm going to say I don't think so. The AFC is stacked. Could they win their division, the AFC South? Yes. Yeah, they could. I think they can beat the Titans. I think they can beat the Texans, and I think they can beat the Jaguars. I think the Colts are going to be a very good team this year. The thing the Colts have to be careful of is that slow start. When you plug in a new quarterback, it takes a couple weeks, as we saw, to kind of get up to speed. Colts, I think, started like 1-4 and four, or 1-3. and three. You can't let that slow start happen in the AFC. You cannot let it happen, man. Not with the AFC West. Good on the Colts, though. Good on the Colts. Final thing I want to talk about, football philosophy. Does the quarterback make the wide receiver, or does the wide receiver make the quarterback? 
Stop typing your comment down below on your opinion. Because, good God, we're going to find out this year. We get to see if Devontae Adams made Aaron Rodgers or if Aaron Rodgers made Devontae. And we get to see if Patrick Mahomes made Tyreek Hill or if Tyreek Hill made Patrick Mahomes. Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill are probably two of the three best wide receivers in the NFL. And they both got traded this year and both teams got hauls for them. Multiple picks. Multiple picks. The Chiefs made out with like a first round, a second round, a third round, a fourth round, and a fifth round, or something like that. Ridiculous. And then I believe the Raiders, or the the Packers got a first round pick and two second round picks, I believe. I could be wrong about that. But either way, it was, um, it was a big, big haul for these players. And we get to see. We get to see. This NFL season is going to be so much fun. I implore everyone listening, if you didn't follow football, this is the season to start following football. This offseason has been absolutely wild. I've never seen this many quarterbacks, this many pivotal wide receivers and other pivotal players moved to save money and then also to get draft capital. I'm going to give my opinion. I'm not going to leave it out. My opinion is... I don't know if it's that good or if it's that spicy. My opinion is these quarterbacks are going to be just fine. Might have to change their game a little bit. Someone made a great point that Patrick Mahomes is not going to be able to throw those deep rockets to, to Hill anymore. The other receivers Mahomes has are not Tyreek Hill. Tom Brady lost Randy Moss and seemed to be doing okay after. These top-tier quarterbacks... They can adjust their game and still be top-tier quarterbacks. These receivers, on the other hand, the person throwing the ball to them, doesn't matter how fast, how gifted, or how talented you are with your hands, if the quarterback can't throw at least decently accurately, you're going to run into some issues. I believe Devontae Adams will have more fun with Derek Carr than Hill will have with Tua Tungavaloa on the Dolphins. But we'll see. We'll see. I just wanted to state this, that... If there's a piece of football philosophy, it's who makes who? Do the quarterbacks make the receivers or the receivers make the quarterbacks? And the truth is it's a combination. It's not always the case. I would argue as a Giants fan that Odell Beckham prolonged Eli's career by four years. Four years. Four years Odell helped Eli stay productive on the field. I hope Tyree Kill doesn't expect Tua to throw him bombs. That's not Tua's game. You got to be prepared for intermediate and short routes, getting the ball quick and making space with your legs. Are they capable of doing it? Yeah, absolutely. These, I mean, these receivers and these quarterbacks are top tier. But the question is, who will have a better year next year? I personally think the Chiefs and the Packers will still have better years than the Raiders and the Dolphins. Because I believe the quarterback position is more pivotal. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is throwing to. It matters who the quarterback is in the end. It does make a difference. And do I think Tua and Derek Carr are going to have a lot of fun with these new toys, these new wide receivers? Yeah, of course. But I just believe the quarterback is the most important position on the field. It's the most important position in sports. And I believe Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes will be okay. And the Aaron Rodgers one is a little gutsy because their wide receiver core is depleted. I still think they'll be okay. But we'll see. I'm so excited. I could be wrong. 
And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I could come back here and be like, good God, Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams is a shell of himself. I just don't think that's going to be the case. The final bit here, actually, something that just came to mind. The reason the Chiefs and the Packers are so okay with trading their star-wide receivers is these receivers are both making close to $30 million a year. I don't know the quick math off the top of my head, but I'm going to do it here. Plus 30 divided by 208. 15% of your cap is a, a receiver. This is just the truth. The draft is spitting out better and better wide receivers. They are. Look at Justin Jefferson. Look at Jerry Judy. Look at um, oh, who's another young wide receiver stud that I love. Um, I'm not going to think any right now because I'm doing the podcast. C.D. Lamb, I could say, is another one. Um, but really, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, um, D.K. Metcalf. I mean, these guys are coming out of the draft, and they're already studs. And what's the point there? That the Chiefs and the Packers know we have these quarterbacks that we have to pay $50 million to. We don't want to pay another 15% of our cap to one receiver when we know we can go in the draft and get two. And they're probably going to be close to, if not just as good. So we'll see. Wouldn't it be hilarious if the Packers don't take any wide receivers in the draft? I don't think that's true. I think the wide receivers, I think the Packers will take two. But we'll see. Um, It's just crazy. It's just crazy. It's crazy. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, That's it for this episode, guys. Episode five. Um, I really, again, I appreciate all of you. Let me know your comments down below. I apologize if I'm a little bit sporadic and a little bit all over the place. Doing this after a work day um, is a little different for me. But you know what? We have a bunch of amazing guests lined up for the show. And I just wanted to do an episode where I sat down and just talked to you and got my opinions down because I really want to be able to reference this later as the season goes on and be like, see, I was right or I was wrong. So. I appreciate you. If you're listening on Spotify or YouTube, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Let me know what you think, um, and I will see you guys on the next one. Peace.